from Toronto, Canada. This is the Rockstar Radio Show. Louder than the DJ. I said louder. Louder than the DJ. Only on Rock Antenna. Here's your host, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. Welcome to Louder Than The DJ. I'm Ben. How are you? Welcome to what will be the last and final show of Louder Than The DJ, at least for now. The band is gearing up to head back out on the road, fingers crossed, and so this will be the last one for a while. So I just want to take a second to say a massive thank you to you for tuning in and for listening over the last six months. I can't tell you how much fun I've had doing this, and I mean, I love radio, but it's been almost 20 years since I've did something in this world, so it's just been amazing to reconnect with it. I also want to say a special, massive shout-out to everyone at Rock Antenna for giving me the opportunity, because everyone here have been so kind to me and the vision of the show, and I just want to say thank you. I mean, I've had the chance to talk to Richard from Ramstein, Tim from Rise Against, Laura Jane, Grace, Cone from Sum 41, and Vom from Die Totenhosen, which in itself, having all those guests is mind-blowing. But I am stoked for today's guests. Today, I have none other than Frank Turner talking about his brilliant new record, and I have my old pal Arnhem from Beatsteaks. Yep. How cool is that? It's been years since we last spoke, so I'm excited to catch up. But before all that, let's just get right into some music, because this has been an incredible month for new music, and I just want to play some of the stuff that I've been listening to. So what do you get when you mix Liam Gallagher from Oasis with Dave Grohl? Well, you get one of the best jams to come out this year. Story goes that Dave Grohl co-wrote this song and played drums on it and sent it to Liam, and this is what came out. Turn this song all the way up. Here's Liam Gallagher with Everything's Electric on Louder Than The DJ. Let's go. Rock Antenna, the rock star radio show. Louder than the DJ. Here's your host, Ben Kualowitz from Billy Talent. Welcome back to Louder Than the DJ. That was the Red Hot Chili Peppers with their song Black Summer, which that song has totally grown on me. I wasn't sure the first time I heard it, but now listening to it a few more times, I totally dig it. I mean, it sounds to me like it could have been off Californication. It was produced by the guru Rick Rubin himself, who obviously did their most famous record, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, but the standout for me is having John Fusciante back in the band. He's, in my opinion, the best guitar player of our generation, and for whatever reason, when he's back playing with them, they sound, well, like themselves. If this song is any indicator, we're in for something special when they release their new record. And before that was Liam Gallagher with a song called Everything's Electric, which was co-written by Dave Grohl. And he played drums on the song. And I dig it. All right, moving right along. Let's get right back into some music, but sticking to that generation. Weezer is one of my favorite bands and have been since day one. Needless to say, when we asked Rivers Cuomo to sing on a song of ours called End of Me off our new record, and he said yes, it was a dream come true. We used to cover Weezer songs in the early 2000s from like songs like My Name is Jonas to this next song I'm going to play. So to have him sing on one of our songs this many years later dare I say decades later, is honestly a dream come true. We used to play this next song at house parties long before the iPhone, so there's no footage, but man, was it ever fun. Here's Weezer with El Scorcho off their brilliant record, Pinkerton, on Louder Than the DJ on Rock Antenna. Rock Antenna, the rock star radio show. Louder, 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 louder
louder than the DJ. Here's your host, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. That was the Smashing Pumpkins with their brilliant song called Drown, which, in my opinion, is probably the best song they've ever released. But that song was only released on a movie soundtrack back in the 90s for a movie called Singles. The movie was directed by Cameron Crowe, and it followed these people around Seattle during the height of the grunge scene. And it featured members of like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Screaming Trees, who I also just played. Which, I just need to take a moment to say that unfortunately... We lost another great singer. Mark Lanigan was a singer of Screaming Trees and a solo artist and just an incredibly gifted and talented person. And unfortunately, he passed away this week. There's been no word on the cause of death, but Seattle and the entire music world have lost another one. So I want to send my love out to his family, his friends, and his bandmates. Anyway, I miss those days, and I miss when movie soundtracks actually meant something. Maybe that can happen again sometime. Anyway, coming up next is my conversation with none other than Arnhem from the Beatsteaks. Woo! From Toronto, Canada. This is the Rockstar Radio Show. Louder than the DJ. I said louder. Louder than the DJ. Only on Rock Antenna. Here's your host, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. Hey! Hey! (laughs) How the fuck are you? Man, I'm in a car. You know what's so funny? I did an interview with Frank Turner yesterday, you know Frank? (laughs) And he was in a car. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm on a, like for two years we have nothing to do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... All on one day. I'm on, a, I'm on location on a video thing for. I did a song with uh, this German rapper Casper. You oh, know yeah, Casper? Casper. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a song together, and we today we're doing the video. Oh. But I wanted to talk to you, so oh, I'm, I'm in Arnim, my I, car. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Well, thanks for taking the time. Of course, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it where is, are you? I, well, we're in our studio here in Toronto. Yeah, so the band we in, have our in own. In Toronto. Yeah, we're in Toronto. We have our own little studio that we've had for I don't know about eight years, and it's kind of our our headquarters. And so we just uh, we just finished rehearsal, and uh, and yeah, and here oh, we man. are. Yeah, all the guys wanted me to to obviously say hello to you and wish you all the best and say hi and oh, hope you're doing well. Man, the boys. The boys. The boys. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. I just today I just. Uh, on the drive here, I listened to your new record, man. Oh, cool. Thank you. That's nice of you. Fuck, hey. Pr- Rivers Cuomo? Yeah. How cool is that? Oh, man. Dude, I was I was in tears. Oh, come on. Man, I remember when we toured together ages ago, we were sitting in a tour bus and we talked about bands. And I remember we talked about Weezer. Yeah. And how much I love them. And I, I think I talked to Ian and you and we both, we all were like, this blue album is one of the most perfect rock <laughs> albums ever of our generation. And I always remember that. So I don't know. I remember a lot of things about this tour. Yeah. And when I saw it today, I was listening to the record and it's really great. It sounds great. You guys, you're still fucking doing it. And I'm, I'm in awe. And then tra- I think it's track nine or t- 10 or yeah, something yeah, like right, later. Yeah. I think it's nine. Yeah. And then I didn't read the, the thing. So I was listening to the song and I'm like, Wow, 
I think they're channeling Weezer here. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is a different kind of, and then he appears. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, you know, the weird thing about that is Ian had the song written, um, like musically. And so we, you know, it obviously had like a very Pinkerton kind of vibe to it. Um, yeah. And so like Ian and I wrote the song like lyrically and then we tracked it and I, you know, it was done. It was finished, mixed, mastered, all done. And I was sitting there listening to it one morning. I was like, fuck, we need to get Rivers on this song. And so we've never <laughs> collaborated with anybody. So I was like, you know what? So I brought it to the band and I was like, hey, what do you guys think about getting Rivers? And everyone was like, ha, 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 I'm like, no, I'm fucking, I'm being serious. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so we sent it to his manager, uh, just, you know, not expecting anything to be true, to, to be honest you with you. You ever played with the guys? Never, never met them. Never, not nothing. So we sent them the song and, you know, obviously we didn't hear back for like a month and then turned into almost two months. We're like, okay, like whatever. And didn't happen. Yeah. And then he just, we got an email saying, check your inbox. And he just sang it. There was no, like, there was no conversation there. He just, he loved the song supposedly. He liked the vibe and it, yeah. And so he just, he sang on it. And now um, I can't imagine it without him. You know what I mean? Like it just sounds yeah. perfect. It's perfect. It's really great. Yeah. yeah thank you. And it's, thank you. Did he also play the guitar solo? No, it's all Ian. He, all the guitar is Ian. It, okay. Yeah. Because, because the first guitar solo is really, yeah, totally. it's really like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought. Fuck, he also played guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been, we said, like, I wrote him back and I was just like, dude, if you want to sing more or play, you can yeah. do whatever you want. And uh, he just did that. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, well, I'm glad you listened. Oh, Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, of course, that. man. I, I, I saw a lot of posters and I saw you guys went to number one. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, I don't know. You know, at this point in our career, um, for things like that to happen and these serendipitous moments, like, you know, it just really gives you a chance to to fully appreciate kind of you know uh, how lucky yeah, and fortunate we are to still be around and still be doing it. So yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's it's kind of all just a, been a weird blur. Well, as the last couple of years, I just wanted to say I'm yeah. I was so happy to see the poses, see see you far away from your hometown getting a number one and still doing it. I'm oh, so happy for you guys. Thank you, brother. That means a lot. It really does. It's a, uh, you know, if, well, uh, as you know, it hasn't been the easiest couple years. Uh, of course, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, uh, and uh, what, you know what, I'll get into that, but let me, let me start here. Let me start here. So yeah. the last time I saw you, so we got a call from, uh, we were kind of off the road and we got a call from Die Totenhosen asking if we wanted to open for them in their hometown of Dusseldorf, which we were like, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll we, be there. That's Click. right. Exactly. We were already there. <laughs> Yeah, before the phone was hung up, we were at the airport. You know, we obviously we get there, we get to Dusseldorf, we play these two shows, which were fucking mind blowing. You were there, yeah. you were singing with them as well, and then afterwards, yeah. we uh, we all went to this little weird bar club thing, and you yeah. were DJing, and like we all drank and had a you know an amazing time till the wee hours of the morning, yeah. dancing and singing, having no yeah. idea what was around the corner for all of us. Yes, and, you know. So now that we're kind of been it's been a couple years since then and you know obviously that was the last time I saw you and we had a good chat and we got to to catch up a little bit but what I've been asking all my guests this but like what has the COVID pause given you like did it give you a chance to like reflect back on the journey so far that you've been on I still think I'm in a fucking nightmare <laughs> I hear you brother <laughs> uh, I, it, it's it, it was so 
you know, the thing was, okay, here's the Beat Sticks story of that. We finished the tour in 2018 for the last record. And we had a great tour. It was very good. Band was happy. We still we were selling tickets. It was an amazing thing for, you know, it was the ninth record. Wow, yeah, that's crazy, yeah. So, uh, and we had a great time. And, and we decided to take a year off. So 2019 was off. Everyone has a family. We never really took time off. Mm-hmm. Like, and, we, and, and we also thought we have to, when we see each other, we have to really have to think about how we continue, continue because we're not 25 anymore. And, uh, but we, we, yeah, and we also had a bit like, I think we lost a bit of the communication with each other. The love is, was always there, but, but it was a bit silent in the, in the rooms sometime. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit gone, the, 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 the feeling. Every band that go, goes for a long time knows when it, oh, okay, I think maybe we need some time away from each other. So we took time off, 2019. I went, I did all the stuff that I always wanted to do. I made music with other people. I, I, I went surfing. Awesome. I spent time with my, uh, I went, t- I spent time with my kid and my wife and and with a lot of friends. You know, when you're in a band, you you you, you always forget your friends at home. And uh, so it was great. And then we planned to celebrate it the 25th birthday in the summer of 2020 so we're in the planning in february and our booker came in and said listen guys i think the shit is coming <laughs> and we're not selling any tickets we waited out and we're like okay okay that's maybe two months and we had no idea the first person ever who said to me this is going to be dangerous was my child wow how was, my nine-year-old daughter. Oh, my nine-year-old daughter said to me, "Papa, I'm very afraid of that." Yeah. And, and 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 I saw it the first time through her eyes, and I was scared too. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. on, this, on this run and your phone and the meetings and blah blah blah, and then for the first week, it was a twinkle in my eye. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, I was in the movie that, like. I was in a very slow car crash. Yeah. And and then when the world locked down, I don't know, I was in bed. I was just in bed and was really and didn't know what to do. I felt I felt like I'm 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 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was really weird. And then we enjoyed the first two months at home, you know, cooking with the family. I had the DJ thing yeah. in the kitchen. We had a great time, you know, like, okay, fucking, okay, let's meet everybody through Zoom. Yeah. We, had no, we, had no, we all had no idea that it takes so long. Yeah, and then it went on. And uh, it changed me a lot, I, I think. I'm not there yet to really can, can, can tell you really what it is, but it, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. Yeah. You know, for 25 years... I was in this band. I was always running, 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 and hustling. And because when your job, when your when your biggest hobby becomes a job, you don't you don't get its job. You know, it's, you, you do it because you love it so much. And I never slowed down. And 
I really slowed down after the after the two weeks in bed. <laughs> yeah. I and in the summer of 2020, I for myself, I I, I knew this will take a couple years probably. I was really I was really clear already in 2020 summer that that maybe 23, maybe 22, maybe 24. What do you want to do? So the band was not coming together. And then we all were like really strict, like, okay, let's stay home. Yeah. So we tried to send each other demos. and But the beat six are really, it's happening when we're in a room and we play with each other. We can't do the, you know, everyone has a computer and garage band and make their little demos. And it's not the same, you know, we always went in our room and, Peter start with his favorite riff and Thomas plays some shit and then then I like <laughs> and then we've had something maybe you know we have to try 10 times to have one good thing yeah so the the band is not really was not really happening we we stayed in contact very close you know well it's the family but uh, we're not make music so I went to my little room I have a little music room and I went there every day. I, I practiced singing. I studied lyrics. I, I went through records. You know, I was very on the last two years. I, I say it, it was downloading for me. Hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't make music. I was like absorbing 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 see i think that's but isn't that interesting you know because as you're saying it it's it's like and i understand it on so many levels because i also went pretty dark and you know couldn't couldn't see the out me too and it's almost like you have to break up with yourself right yeah right because yeah. You're, you're you're breaking up with like the cycle and the routine and the pattern and the you know just this whole mechanism that that yeah. is and when you can't yeah. do that and you can't be that person you know on a stage or in a studio or or you can't see your band right like when yeah. you can't see you just feel this disconnect of like, well, I don't know who I am without this because like you said, right? Like it's been what, 25 years or whatever. And it's like, that is who you are in a lot of ways or represents a large portion of yourself. So when when to have that separation is traumatizing. And so, but what I find really interesting is that it sounds to me like you've gone back to when we were kids and you'd sit there yeah. and study records and you'd listen to them and yeah. read the lyrics and be like, wow, yeah. and like have a new appreciation just for like yeah. for other people's art, which then will yes. inform your own art. Yeah, I, I really went back to my childhood and, and, and the stuff that I was listening to it uh, when I was a child. I discovered so much cool stuff again, you know. I, 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 it was really cool. And I was, I, and then also... I always was a DJ besides of the band and I come a bit from uh, from the hip hop side, you know, in the in the band. I was I was the Beastie Boys fan. Yeah. I, I, I came I came I was not I was not punk, you know. I love punk, but I never was punk. Well that's funny you say that, because that's the same with me. I love like I grew yeah. up listening to hip hop and I when I DJ yeah. I only play hip hop and reggae. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. there's no I, punk I, rock. <laughs> yeah. I knew a lot of beat makers and I know a lot of people I, I really respect in the, in that field and I just contact them 
uh, and said, you want to make some music? Are cool. you sitting at home as well? Yeah, and, of, course, uh, of course they are. And, and every, everyone was sitting at home. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I have really some weird demos on my computer, cool. I can tell you. I love it. <laughs> just, I, just not to get depressed, you know. I, I discovered after half a year of, the, of like, yeah, like after six months, I really thought I need to create or I die. If I don't, if I don't be creative, then everything stops, you know. So I, I, I went to a routine. I went to my room every day at 10 o'clock and went home at, at 7. Awesome. So I just went there and connected to people and wrote. And I guess it was like a lot keep, of ideas. keeping that part made, of your not, brain and your soul and yes. your heart activated. Yes. You know what I mean? It's yes. Staying yes. open. Right. Yeah, and I also thought at the end of the tour, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm done with making music. I was like, maybe I'm done with music. Maybe I, I just want to play shows with them, and, and, and maybe I, it's time to move on. Hmm. And I know for a fact now that's not true. Well, that, that makes I me am, happy. <laughs> I, I'm a musician, man. Absolutely, I, I can't read music, but I live and breathe it. I love it so much. Yeah, I love it so much, and I want to create, and I want I want to do things. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that that's that's the blessing and the curse of this, right? Yeah. Like, Cause I feel yeah. the same way. I don't know how to read music. I, I couldn't tell you anything, but I do know that it's all I love and all I care yeah. about and how I feel yeah. the most myself and the most at home is when I'm playing yeah. or singing, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's a strange, um, it's a strange thing. Yeah. Oh, totally. I discovered again that it's one thing to make, to do like to do some shit, for your own and, and, and just try our ideas and make and make and make. If you really want to do it, mm -hmm. you have to go through something. And that is pain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you have to go through it to create. Uh, if, if you don't do it, it's shit art. I completely agree with you. They always say that, yeah. you know, good art comes from struggle. And, what you know, obviously oh, for sure. the last, uh, this last couple of years have, have, have provided enough struggle and strife to, for, you know, five box sets, so to speak. But it's also like how you, how you, where you place that energy. Right. And I found yeah. like it, it, going back to what you were saying earlier, like, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't in the same room with the band for like a year and a half. You know, yeah. like, I see these yeah. fucking dudes every day, you know, and then that to yeah, like, yeah. just not see them felt. Yeah, it felt it, it felt like I, I was missing a part of me. Uh, and then when yeah. once we started, you know, uh, things are slowly opening up here in, in their little ways. Um, but, you know, now that we're all hanging out, it's like, oh, I like I, it's kind of like you snap out of it. And you're like, oh, OK, yeah, I, this thing. Right. You know? So do you think that maybe throughout all of this, because it sounds to me like you were you were trucking along and then you took a year off and then the pandemic hit, which yeah. obviously none of us could foresee. But maybe there's the chance that this will actually bring you all closer together by being so far apart. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that's a possibility? It definitely is. It definitely is. We didn't play a note with each other for two years. Wow. And we started, yeah, strange, man. Yeah, it is strange. I think of this band every day. Yeah, I'm sure you <laughs> at, like, at, at one moment. Yeah. Of course. And we, don't, we didn't play a note for two years. Like a month ago, it looks like the summer is coming for all of us, yeah. right? And we're like, okay, I think it's going to happen. And, and we went to the room and I said, and we all said like, okay, no worries. From now on, no fucking worries. We're going to play shows. 
We know when fucking Rock'em Ring is. This is cup final. Yeah. <laughs> we have to get prepared now, you know. Yeah. And we started. We started to rehearsing and and we play. Uh, and for the first Monday, I said, "Let's play these five songs." And please let's let let everybody's prepare for these five songs. Let's enjoy the moment. Yeah. And we really come like one, two, three, go. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, "Okay, here we go." And this Monday, man, it, it, I, I, I I was so happy. That was just this Monday, like this this Monday past. No, it was a month. A, a month, month ago. ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. A month ago, early February. Yeah, cool. We met and we we're like, okay, the summer's coming. We booked some shows. We're playing shows together. Yeah, I think, at Rock and Ring. I can't we're wait. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, and and it was so cool. And we're like, okay. I was moved. I was very, I was deeply moved uh, because when we play together, it's, it's like you're seeing your first love again and it's all good. And, you know, it's, it's so sweet. You know, they, I know exactly what Tom is doing on the drums and how Peter will look if I sing a wrong note and, <laughs> and, and, and everything's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, you know, the good thing is when you, you reach a point when you've been together in a band for a long time. There is some like ooh, and yes. yeah. And then the time comes when you say, "Oh, maybe we should know." Yeah. Maybe, oh, it's, too, it's too cool for that. Yeah. And then, and then you reach a point when you're like, "Hey, I see you, man, and I know you, and I love you, and it's all right. You're driving me crazy sometimes, but I love you more than that. And this awesome. is where we are. Yeah." You know, this is where we are right now. It's, it's it's really it's really nice. I can't wait to play shows, and we we demoed some shit, but we can't really finish it because we we really need to play shows first. <laughs> this because before we ever recorded a note, we played shows. We played cover songs and we did this, and my whole energy to make beatstake songs is like I need to feel. I don't. This is a sweet memories playing shows. I don't know how it is. I remember it a bit, but I really need the energy. I need the summer. And I'm sure we're going to write some songs in the future. But right now, it's just like, okay, we have nine records. We can play a shitload of cool songs. People still want to see us. Let's bring it. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> but you know, yeah, like, like there's nothing like in this in this dynamic of being in a band. Like there's no straight line. Like there's nothing's linear. Everything you know. Yeah. It, there's no. Just when you think you got to figure it out, something comes and ruins. Of that, course. You know? So of course. But that's the thing that I find so beautiful about it is that it's. All of that turbulence and all of that, the, the, the bumps in the road is all about just the story moving forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the idea of yeah. stopping it is just, it's like, sometimes you go like, well, what the fuck am I doing with my, <laughs> you know, you have those moments. I think yeah. everyone has those moments. If you're a plumber, or if you're a teacher, if you, you know, whatever you're doing. Of course. So it, even in the band world, and that's the thing that I find interesting is not a lot of people understand that to do and work in like in, in a place of art 
And to do it with the same people for, you know, let's say 20, we're going on almost 30 years. <laughs> wow. You know, the fact of like you're still doing it and still trying to find that commonality, but also growing as people and as individuals separate of the band. Yeah. You know, you obviously have your role in the band, but then there's like that whole idea of that growth, not only individually, but collectively. And sometimes that growth doesn't grow at the same time and you need to la- allow space for that. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, I find it very beautiful. Patience, man. It's patience. all about patience, communication. And you said something. The most important thing is love. I love you. Yeah, man. I want to fucking punch you in the face sometimes, but I love yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, listen, I'm going to talk about one thing. I'm going to tell you a secret. Um, one of my favorite voices in rock and roll is yours. What? I've, I've always... <laughs> admired there is something oh, wow, about thanks, your man. voice um that really resonates with me and there's like an honesty and a conviction and a purity to it that not a lot of wow. people have anymore and you can you can hear your heart and your soul and almost like um i was trying to explain it to my wife the other day it almost reminds me of like an otis redding like an old motown kind of way where like yeah. you hear otis redding and you're just like that's fucking otis redding when i hear you i'm like that's art <laughs> you know and it's like <laughs> I, i'm always just so fascinated like how how did singing become an option to you? Like, when did you finally realize that that's something that you could do, that you wanted to do, and that you embraced? Like, when when did that happen for you? Thanks, Ben. It's very sweet. It's tr- the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> um, um, I think when we started out, I went to the I went to the practice room because a friend of mine said to me, "Hey, I know a guy who plays in the band, and you want to play in the band, so like maybe you should go." I, I show you the guys. Yeah. So I we went there and I came into the room and on the bass drum was already the beat stakes. <laughs> wow. I'm like, okay, that's a weird name, okay. And then they played just instrumental music. It sounded to me like Weezer and very melodic rock. Okay. But with a like with a punky kind of uh, all these guitars were already there. Like like this like melody guitars and Peter is doing melodies and band and and, and and straight bass boom 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 and and I'm, I'm like okay but and then there was a mic stand <laughs> with a microphone but no one was singing I was just checking out I'm like okay wow okay and then I asked the boys like is it no no one's singing here I'm like no 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 just uh, uh, <laughs> and I'm like okay okay and then I I went back for like a couple uh, every every Monday I went back to see them I really liked it there. Yeah. You know, they were cool guys and we we had the same humor. And then I said, I don't I can't come up with something, but I really like this band Rancid. If you play a Rancid song, I think I can mimic the guy. And I I really like Weezer. If you can play a Weezer song, <laughs> I can sing this. And I really like like this and this and this and this. And then we played cover songs for a couple weeks. There were no monitors in the room. So <laughs> I was forced to go like full in, like Wah! to hear myself. And this was, the, this was the loudest spot on earth. I never went into a louder room than that. <laughs> and, and I just like, I was like, Wah! I can't do it all. <laughs> and and I, I loved, uh, what I loved was try to sing. And if you say Otis Redding, my favorite singers are soul singers. I really like, I really love Motown. I love all beautiful, 
black crazy crazy voices yeah this is this is my church i love and adore them and i remember uh steffi our first drummer said to me like you have a soul voice you should you, should, you do more like ah, do this do this do this and for the first year in that room was just trying out yeah and i, I think i found something that i later really discovered i Like for the first two records, I was just screaming my ass off and tried to be this and tried to be that. And on the third, on the fourth record, Smack Smash, that was the record we met, and we made this record uh, with Moses. And he discovered my singing. He was like, "Please don't scream at me all the time. Hmm. I I love the rawness of your voice, but try to do melodies, more melodies. Sing, sing, sing." And he said to me, I don't care as long as you sing, for example. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so my voice was built by my band, No Monitors, and Moses Schneider. Amazing. And, I, and my love for soul music. Yeah. That's, I think this is what I can think like, okay, if, if someone likes the sound of my voice, It's a lot of people involved in that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I right? love it. You know? No, well, it's yeah. it's it's beautiful, and it has you know, it's 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 funny when you get to that point because when we all start singing, and I had a very similar yeah. very similar uh, situation where you know I was singing uh, in in our first band, which had John and Aaron in it, and I was actually a drummer. Right. And I got kicked out. Then they called me and said like, "We need some backup vocals. Do you want to sing?" I'm like, "Sing? I don't know how to fucking sing, but sure. I just wanted to be in a band, you know." And I remember. Singing yeah. with like this little microphone with a guitar amp on my shoulder, plugged into the yeah. guitar amp because that's that, that's all I could hear. Like there was no way you could yeah. compete with everybody. But it, it's interesting that when you get to that point where you you know when you first start, you're just trying to sound like everybody that you like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, of course, Zach De La Roach, Eddie Vedder, Lane Staley, yeah. Miles, you know, just trying to be everyone else until finally I just right. kind of had this moment. I was like, well, why don't you just try to be you and see what happens? Yeah. You know? And there's a yeah. pretty liberating feeling when that happens. And it sounds yes. like that happened to you where you're just kind of like, yes. oh, this is this is me. I'm not trying to be yeah. them. This is me, you know. Um, yeah. And I also was quick. okay with my voice. I remember. I, I knew that was my key to go on stage because I'm a, I'm a circus child. You know that I'm I, I'm I'm out of a I'm out of the family of like artists. I always wanted to go on stage, hmm. and I realized, okay, this is the key. Through this, I can go there yeah, yeah, and yeah. entertain people. It was the you know, I always wanted to. <laughs> I, I always wanted to. Yeah, you know. And I I remember when when I went to the room the first time. Like, I never leave. I like this. Yeah. It's cool. Well, thank God. Fuck all the rest. Thank God you stayed <laughs> for all of our, <laughs> for all of our benefit. <laughs> Um, oh man, thanks. So on the first uh, episode, so I've, I've done this show, I've done like six six episodes of the show. I do it every every month. Uh, this is the last show because I'm getting gearing up to getting back in rehearsals and things like that. But on the very first episode, I was talking about, because people always ask us about like our Billy Talent success in, in, in Germany. And much like you were saying about your voice, it's like our success can't be attributed to one thing or one, uh, you know, one event per se. But I will say that one of the biggest reasons why we have success in this country, in, in, in Germany, is because of you guys. Because in 2003, oh, wow. you took us out on tour and, yeah. you know, we, we were, we were, we heard of you guys and people were telling us all about you guys and, 
And we were kind of nervous to meet you because we thought, you, you know, you guys were this massive band at the time. And we were like, oh, shit, we better play well. But you guys were <laughs> such gentlemen to us and you were so kind and we had so much fun with you guys. But like, yeah. what do you remember about like that time? Because I guess that was you guys must have been just touring like Smack Smash was just probably coming out. Yeah. And we were yes. probably on our first record. And so for the two of us to kind of go out at that time is pretty, pretty big deal, especially for us. So yeah, what do you remember about totally. that time? I remember that we made this, you know what? I, I just, I, on the way here, I Googled beat six, Billy Talent show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Just Am I right? Like, is it 2003, 2004, right? That it was 2003. 2004. Yeah. 2004. Mm. And there was an article. Uh-oh. In an, in a Hamburg newspaper, and they say like, "Oh, some shows are too good to believe. You have the two hardest bands, and in one club, uh, Grünspan, and you guys open. You were you're like you're the, you were this hot thing, <laughs> and we we're like we had this record out, and yeah, come on, we were hot shit. It was cool. It was so fun. I remember the thing that stood out to me in this article. It was an interview with Torsten." Our bass yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. And Torsten, the bass player, said, I wrote it down. <laughs> Torsten said, what do you think of tonight, man? And he said, my biggest wish is that Billy Talent doesn't blow us away on stage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you why, because we're like, fucking hell, we have to step up our game. These boys are fucking... They meet. They meet. <laughs> so we have to... <laughs> we can play a couple shows before, and it... I laughed so hard when I wrote this today because it's like I, I remember it so well. I I was checking you out. I, like the first show was in Bielefeld or something. First show. And you came on and we knew your record, but we never saw you live. And Thomas was like, you came on stage, played first song. And Thomas was like, <clears throat> dude, he looks like a young Iggy Pop. And I'm like, yeah. And do you know that's fucking guitar player? He plays like three guitars. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a sick man, the bass player. Jesus Christ. Jesus. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we have to practice. Before I, I, like, it, I, I, I just can't give it back. You know, this tour was so much fun. When you're in a band, you have this magical time. I go back and see that as the magical time. You know, yeah. we're on this. We just went through it full on, no breaks. It was like, come on, world. And we went, all went for it. And sometimes you come out on the other side. And I'm so happy to talk to you because we are on the other side. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying, right? It's, it, it seems kind of crazy to think that that was, you know, what? Like almost, that was like 18 years ago? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how, how is that even possible? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway, I just want to say, and on behalf of the band too, thank you for taking a leap of oh. faith on us. No, seriously. because hey, come on. No, but I, I, like we're very loyal people and we, we have a long memory and when people do yeah. right by us, we remember that for the rest of our lives. And yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be, yeah, well that's, yeah, I could tell because, yeah. you know, it's, it, that's yeah. an important attribute to always remember how you got to where you are, you know? Yes. And so yeah. seriously, uh, a million thank yous and we're forever in debt. Oh, so. thanks man. It, this was so, so, so much fun. This tour was so cool. Yeah. And, it, was, uh, it was special. It was special. I remember like, uh, you know, it's not normal when you're on tour with each other and you, you just sit in each other buses and we're like 
having beers and yeah. talk music yeah. and, and we talked like how it is on a big label because we, we all went from like we all didn't start it out as a career we, we had big dreams sure and I remember that was the first record on a on a major label and for you as well yeah. I think yeah and we talked like how, how how you guys handle it how we handle it how who's doing your videos it's great okay and and be careful with that and and we were really sitting all in one boat. Yeah, and we were all really at the same cool. level at the same time almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you guys were obviously yeah. much bigger than us, but like, we're like in those regards, like we had a lot of similarities to what was going on in, in each other's, yeah. you know, which is, yeah. which is, and you know what's funny, and I'll end on this, but I remember one of our conversations on, on the bus or backstage was our uh, about our shared love and admiration for Eddie Vedder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I always He's remember. The oh, he he is he is literally like the greatest. And for me, yeah, you know, isn't it crazy? And I just I don't know if you heard the news, but um, Mark Lanigan from Screaming Trees passed away. Yes, yesterday. man. Yeah, and yesterday, so yeah, you know, and it, it it gets me thinking about like you know a guy like Ed who, like he's the last man standing of that generation. Right? Yeah. Like you think of like Andy yeah. Wood from Mother Love Bone and Kurt and Lynn yeah. Staley and, you know, Scott Weiland to Chris Cornell to like now. Yeah. Like he's the last guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, I, he has a new solo record out and I, I, I've listened to it and, it's, and then there's some really cool, some cool moments on it. But like, how do you, like, do you still draw inspiration from guys like that? Like from guys like Ed, you know, because I know for yeah. me, like I still look up to him as like a role model of how to conduct yourself on and off the stage. And, and yeah. now as we're getting older, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and you know, it, it's kind of, you, we need people to keep looking to, and it seems like yeah, those totally. numbers are. I still, to, do, yeah. I still do that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I still do that. Yeah. I still do that. I uh, I met the Beastie Boys. We supported the Beastie Boys in Switzerland on their last tour. Wow, they are my Beatles. Yeah, you know, they, they are the biggest thing to me. Um, and 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 after that, a lot of cool shit like Dame and Albarn and and, and Eddie Vedder and all the soul music and stuff. But the Beastie Boys were like, this is my band, you know. And then we supported them in Switzerland for two shows on the last tour. And I remember sitting down with Ed Rock and MCA, smoking a joint after a show. I was very nervous. They they saw, oh God, okay, he's he's nervous. He's a fan. He's a fan, but and they they talked so sweet to me. I always remember Ed Rock looked at me and said, like, dude, we played the show together. It's all right, man. Look up. Look, you see the stars. There's a joint. This is what it's all about. Nice. Wow. How cool is that? You know? And 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 after that, we just talked about family. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I, and I really admire people to take take pressure of other people's yeah, uh, yeah perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And make it like it's all the same. We're all it's on the all, same level. I know you're everything's like, cool. It's, <laughs> I'm I'm it's it's cool. Yeah. And, what you guys did today, I really like that fast song. He said, <laughs> "You didn't know that." I really yeah, like the fast, the fast song. one. Was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I admire people like that. And Eddie Vedder, I never met him, but I, I see the same kind of realness always there. And uh, I, I admire people like that, and I yeah. always look up to them because I, yeah, I, 
and I always remember that when I'm walking through the street or went to a show and some people comes up and say, can I take a photo? And yeah. I always, I always give them that, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not the guy who say like, ah, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't do that. I, I, you know, it's not, it's so easy for me and it's not a big thing to share. Okay. Here we go. Have a good night. Cheers, mate. Yeah. And this makes such a difference. And yeah, the world is fucked up enough to be fucking idiots. And that's why we just need a little bit more love and a little more kindness and we'll all get through this thing together. You know what I mean? That's it, my man. Yeah. That's okay. it, my man. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go because you're shooting a video. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Hey, what about play Screaming Trees? I nearly lost you. Yeah, you know what's weird about you? It's weird you say that because on Monday night, I was sitting and working on like the songs I was going to play and working on some segments that I was going to talk about. And yeah. I, I remember the... Do you remember the single soundtrack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I love the film. There's a song on there by Smashing Pumpkins called Drown. I'm not the hugest Smashing yeah. Pumpkins fan, but I really love this song. And then yes. I saw, like, next or a couple songs down, like, oh, Nearly Lost You There, which I haven't heard mm -hmm. in forever. Mm -hmm. And so I, I played it, like, and I listened to it in my little thing, and I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to play this as well. And then the next day, he fucking died. So it's just wow. strange. Such that a cool like, song. It's a, it's a Such great a, song, right? Yeah. It's a great, great kind rock of song. Represents, like, that time too right like yes. that, that beautiful weird grunge 92 94 kind of era I also you know? I, have, I have a quick Mark <clears throat> Lennigan story sure. we played with we played with uh, Gata Twins he had a, yeah. he had a project with right. uh, with the Afghan Wings guys and we played a Puckle Pop like we played a, a festival somewhere yeah. in Europe and like we we're, we're on stage and after that Gata Twins and so I we're hanging around backstage and you know I like the kind guys I also like like real like like dudes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and Mark Lennigan, fuck hey, I was standing there, wanted to go on the toilet. Mark Lennigan steps out, a fan comes and says, "Hi, Mark," and he just goes, "No." <laughs> so the complete opposite did, of what we were just talking did, about. <laughs> well, yeah, complete opposite. But I laughed my ass off. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. didn't even look. He didn't even look. He just like no. <laughs> it went out. So rest in peace, Mark. Yeah, I rest in you. peace. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's also really cool. I love the Liam Gallagher's as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, and it's funny because I'm playing the new Liam Gallagher song on the show, too, which is, I don't uh, know, have you heard that? It's with no, Dave, not yet. You should check it out. It has Dave Grohl playing drums. Dave Grohl kind of co-wrote oh, wow. it. Sounds like old Stone okay. Roses kind of vibe. But you kind of oh. need those, like, original rock stars still. You know what I mean? Like of the, course. The Gallagher yeah. brothers are hilarious. <laughs> like, hilarious. You know? This is the best comedy ever. Yeah, well, exactly. But anyway, listen, brother. It's been so nice catching up with you. It's been so nice oh, to man. see your face, all, although over a screen. And uh, let's, uh, let's, let's make sure at Rock and Ring that we get together and have a couple drinks backstage and, and have we a proper the same hand. day, right? I know, We're just yeah. right in front of you. Well, like, we and you. That's going to be, like, honestly, that, have, I'm, I can't, I'm counting down the days till it, you know? So, uh, and we have, and we, we're sitting again in buses and yeah. we play each other music. Exactly. And I will give you a big hug, my man. And I'll give you one right back. Uh, thank you, brother. <laughs> and say hi to the boys when you talk to them for, uh, from our, will, our camp to yours and, uh, and we'll see you down the road, brother. You too. Okay. Take care. Ciao, ciao. Be safe, man. You too, brother. It's nice talking to nice you. Nice talking to you as well. Ciao. From Toronto, Canada. This is the Rockstar Radio Show. Louder than the DJ. I said louder. Louder, 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 louder,
Louder than the DJ. Only on Rock Antenna. Here's your host, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. Welcome back to Louder Than The DJ. So it's funny, you know, sometimes during this COVID pause, I have these really weird, vivid memories of life on the road, but they're just like these, these snapshots that I haven't thought about in years. and They just kind of come into my head. So the other day I was making my daughter breakfast and I had this vivid memory of us playing the Hurricane Southside Festival. And we were all super stoked because it was the first time we were actually headlining, which in itself is insane. But we were also stoked because Stone Temple Pilots were going on before us. Now, I was a fan of STP, but I wasn't like a diehard fan, but I always admired and respected Scott Weiland. And at this point, the band had been broken up for years. But this tour was when he came back to the band. So I was excited at the idea of watching them play, obviously, but I was secretly excited excited about getting the chance to meet him. Anyway, I remember being backstage and our dressing room and their dressing room were next to each other. So I was kind of like lingering around, trying not to look like a creep. And a couple of the dudes from the band came out and we got to chatting. And they were super nice dudes. I remember the guitar player coming out and being like, oh, you guys are old like us. I thought you were kids. (laughs) So we all started laughing and had a good chat. And we ended up walking with them to the stage. And I kept going. So, uh... Where's your singer? And them going, yeah, we don't know. And I'm like, well, you're on in 15 minutes and you don't know where your singer is? And they're like, nope. So we get to the stage and I'm hanging out on the back ramp and we're like five minutes from showtime. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where is he? And then out of nowhere comes this black Mercedes roaring down the road and he jumps out and it's Scott Weiland and a lady's there and hands him a pink boa, a pair of sunglasses and a microphone and he runs onto the stage and boom, the show started. (laughs) I was blown away and needless to say, watching him reminded me of like what a true rock star he was. You know, he had this bravado and this unapologetic way about him and he was so captivating to watch as a front man. I mean, he was sexy and dangerous and just a cool motherfucker. Anyway, I got to see him play, but I never got the chance to meet him because he left just as fast as he showed up. But I wish I did. Anyway, here's STP with their song Vaseline on Louder Than The DJ on Rock Antenna. Rock Antenna, the rock star radio show. Louder than the DJ. Here's your host, Ben Kualowitz from Billy Talent. That was Velvet Revolver with their song Fall to Pieces, featuring the aforementioned late great Scott Weiland on vocals, and with, of course, the great Slash and Duff from GNR. Now, speaking of cool rock stars, one of the coolest people I ever got to meet and hang out with was Duff from Guns N' Roses. We were playing this festival in Australia called Soundwave in 2013, which had a ton of cool bands on it, like Metallica and Blink and Linkin Park, Offspring and whatever, etc. And so I rolled up and I was going to drop my bags off in our dressing room. And our dressing room was next to Duff's, who was there playing with this side band called Loaded. And there's Duff sitting on a lawn chair out front of the dressing room, no one else around, just sitting there. And he looked up to me and with a friendly smile says, welcome, how's it going? And I literally was like, um, hi, Duff. (laughs) Anyway, we instantly hit it off and I sat with him and told him all about our band and where we're from. And he was like, cool, I'll come watch you guys. I mean, I couldn't believe it. 
You have to keep in mind that growing up, the biggest band in the world was Guns N' Roses, hands down. So to be sitting and having a chat with them was one of those moments where you can't actually believe what's happening and that we actually do what we do for a living. Anyway, so sure enough, we go and play, and a few hours later, I look over, and there's Duff, side stage, watching the whole show, smiling and rocking out. And it was a traveling tour, so we got to hang out for like a week. And on our day off in Sydney, we were doing our own kind of club show, and he came up and he said, it is it cool if I come hang out and watch the show tonight? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> he was truly one of the nicest dudes we've ever met, and he's one of the biggest rock stars I've ever met, but he was so down to earth and as lovely as you would hope. And years later, when Guns got back together and they were playing in the stadium here in Toronto, we randomly got a call asking if we'd like to open for them. I mean, talk about a dream come true for us. So I was like, okay, of course. So I have to think that that was Duff who got us on the bill. Anyway, here's GNR with Paradise City on Louder Than the DJ, a rock antenna. Rock antenna, the rock star radio show. Louder Than the DJ. Here's your host, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. Welcome back to Louder Than the DJ. That was our friends in Anti-Flag with their song, This Is The End For You, My Friend. They're coming out on the road with us across Canada in late April, and I can't wait to see those dudes. They're a great band and great dudes. And before that was the legendary Fugazi with Waiting Room. And before that was the Menzingers with Good Things. Love that song. And speaking of good songs, stick around as I talk with Frank Turner about his amazing new record, FTHC, on Louder Than the DJ on Rock Antenna. From Toronto, Canada, this is the Rockstar Radio Show, Louder Than the DJ. I said louder. Louder Than the DJ, only on Rock Antenna. Here's your host, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. Hi, 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 hi. Hi, sorry. My, my, um, uh, so I'm in a car right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, well, I, so I'm playing a benefit gig tonight, and um, there was some scheduling confusion going on. But hey, I'm in a car, oh, and I'm ready well, to interview. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time. That's very nice of you. My pleasure. It's very nice to see you. How nice are you? to see you, too. Really good, man. Really, really good. Ian's here as well from the band. He's, he's, uh, he's producing hey, the... Uh, hey, the uh, how you doing, man? Nice to Good, almost man. see you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, where are you tonight? So I'm in Chelmsford. It's a town in Essex, which is near where I now live. And oh, okay. um, there's a there's a music venue here. Like most music venues, has not been doing well. And yeah. uh, there's a benefit show for them tonight. So oh, um, dude, I that's... down to... I'm, I'm playing like 20 minutes or something, just as a kind of... Um, Tip of the hat. But, uh, You're a good man. Yeah, I'm also doing interviews in my car, so, yeah. you know, punk rock. <laughs> well, I won't take too much of your time, I promise. You but have I just as much of my time as you want, I want to say it's all good. Thank you, though, dude. This is, uh, this is really, really nice of you to, to do well, this. Well, it's I appreciate an honor. It. Thank you for having me. Well, all right. Well, let's just get right into it, then, uh, while you sit in your car. <laughs> all right, so... We should definitely talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the first time that uh, we ever saw you was in 2003 at the Barfly in Cardiff. You were playing in a band called Million Dead at the time, and yeah. we were on the bill. It was for Zane Lowe's like, radio show tour thing that we yeah. were doing. Yeah. And I remember yeah, watching yeah. the show, and afterwards we all had pints in that tiny little bar, and I don't remember 
too much of the night, but I remember all of us walking away thinking like how nice of a guy you were and that good things were on the horizon <laughs> for you, you know? Uh, <laughs> so it turns out my plan worked. My <laughs> well, that's what plan. I was going to say. Yeah. Like 20 <laughs> years later, like look what's happened, you know? So I just want to say yeah. we're all tremendously happy and proud of you and all your well, success. Thank you. That's the, very kind. That's but, very you know, kind. much like everything in life, it's never a straight line and nothing's ever linear. Sure. But what do you remember about those times? And has the COVID pause given you a chance to reflect and reminisce and look back and just like what a crazy journey it's been for you? Yeah, I mean, to a degree. I mean, I, I turned 40 just before Christmas. Welcome. And, um, yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but it's a strange thing. Like, that's definitely, I mean, it, age is just a number and it's just a dial ticking over and all the rest of it. But it is an opportunity for reflection. So I've been doing a bit of that. And I do that around the time of releasing a new record. And COVID, obviously, you know, the world stopped. You and I both know our jobs got sort of made illegal for a couple of years. And it was just like, oh, okay. So that was weird. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I mean, more specifically for me, I did all these live streams in lockdown as benefits for independent music venues. And um, in, the, in an effort to eke out my material so that I could do more live streams, I ended up playing every single song that I've ever written wow. as a solo artist in chronological order as well. Oh my goodness, um, how was that? Well, I mean, first of all, it meant that I had something to do during the weeks in between the shows <laughs> because I had to learn a lot of songs <laughs> Yeah, of again. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then possibly, maybe, I'm not saying having lyric sheets printed on the floor just out of shot. I mean, who would know? Nope, who no would one, know? not me. Um, but so, you know, but that was it. I wasn't really planning it to be like that, but it was quite reflective in a way mm -hmm. to just work through all that material because, you know, 20 years is a long time. I've changed as a person at a time. It would be crazy if I hadn't. It's funny. I mean, I'm really glad you mentioned the Million Dead thing. I remember that night too. It was a good time. I remember coming away thinking that you guys were delightful. <laughs> well, well, that's now. Well, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And you guys went out on tour with my buddies in Ruben a little while after that. That's well, right. Yeah. We yeah. we played a hunt, but man, we, we, we took them out all over the place. Yeah, we loved yeah. them. Amazing, man. I was actually on their crew for a while. What? Um, not uh, when you were not, out with not, us. No, not on that tour, alas. But basically, in between Million Dead tours, I crewed for Ruben. No way. Um, for, for a couple of years. So, old friends. Wow. But, um, I mean, the Million Dead thing's strange. Like, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. And obviously, for me, there's quite a sharp break in between that and what I do now. Mm -hmm. But I certainly, there's a part of me... I mean, the good side of it is I can listen back to music from then and sort of almost listen to it like an independent third party at this point. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, oh, wow, who did that? Um, uh, but then the flip side of that coin is that, like, there's definitely days when I feel like, oh, that happened to somebody else. Or at least I'm not entirely sure who that person was. Not, not that I'm disowning anything that I did back then. I probably said some stupid shit, but you know, <laughs> like, but it's more. It's just. It's like it was so long ago, and so much has happened. I've been so many places, um, and I've I've been quite busy. I like to think. Yeah, in well, my I'd life. say so. Um, and yeah, and it's just kind of like, um, oh look, I found a light. Hey, um, uh, <laughs> <hello. laughs> the mysterious um, you know, man I mean, in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I've done a lot, and it's it. Yeah, it does. There are days when it's sort of like it's difficult to get my head around. Um, that but it, and then the final thought on this would be just to say that like everything considered like I'm pretty pr I have a degree of pride about having spent my life doing what I do do you know what I mean it's of like course. I found a, I found a trade I mean like my background is about as unblue color as it's possible to be but like working as a touring musician is my blue collar you know what I mean and I found it and I did it I learned how to do it and I did it really hard for a really long time and I'm proud of that and and that's kind of cool well, and well said. And, you know, it is, it, everything's kind of a stepping stone to the next, 
to the next, you know? Of and course. So, yeah, and, absolutely. And, but isn't it amazing to, to think like, you know, that was, that was almost 20 years ago. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, like... Well, okay, let me tell you a brief story quickly. Sure. So I, I, build a, I built my own recording studio these days, and, and that was my kind of lockdown project, was getting okay. into producing other people. And I had a band in the other day who were amazing and lovely, but they'll remain nameless. They were all about 19 years old, and, um, and their dads dropped them off at my studio. <laughs> um, not only that, but their dad was 50, I'm 40 and they're yeah. 19, and I suddenly realize I'm very clearly on the dad side of this demographic divide here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The and pendulum like has swung. Yeah, me and him like had a, like sipped coffee while we watched the kids load the drum kit into the live room <laughs> and sort of shot the shit. And it was just, I had a real moment of being like, oh, I am the adult now. I'm definitely the grown-up. <laughs> it, it happens quick. You know, yeah, like yeah, everyone, sure. like we're all, I'm 46, Ian, you're 46, right? Yeah. yeah, Ian's 46, I'm 46. And like, you know, it's crazy how it creeps up on you. And you think like, yeah. you know, we've been playing now 1993 is when we first got together, you know? Wow. So like we're flirting. That is 30, a long time ago. 30 years, you know? It's I like, know, crazy. So, yeah, but you know, like, it's it's beautiful. Like and, if, you, if your band was a person, it, would, it wouldn't just be able to drink and vote and drive cars and stuff like that. It would be pretty over quite a lot of that activity <laughs> and like beginning to have its kind of crisis yeah exactly. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah there, 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 there's some truth to that my friend but um <laughs> well i want to talk to you about the new record um mm. i'll be honest with you uh i've been taking a break off social media as of late just sure. i just need to Good. unplug and get well off done. of it and it was about a week ago or so i guess i, I just logged on to twitter and you were the first person i saw and you were talking about something about voting for your new song and something about Ed Sheeran. And I was like, oh, cool. You yeah, have a new yeah. record. And I literally like closed my computer, got in the car, drove to rehearsal, and I listened to your record. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was, I was blown away. Seriously. Oh, like, you. I can't remember, like, at least in a very long time that a record, like, hit me like a ton of bricks and just resonated with me in, in so many different ways. And, I mean, the production's amazing, which we'll get into, and the songs are amazing, but your voice and the lyrics, I mean, dude, like, this, you should be very proud of this record. Um, and I'm Thank sure you. you are. But, like, how, you know, I, I love that you went on more of a harder, you know, there's definitely a heavier record for you. Um, yeah, sure. Absolutely. But like, how did, like from where it started to where it ended up, tell me about that journey. Um, well, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, the, the plans of this record started coming together um, uh, before um, the pandemic was a twinkle in anybody's eye. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had some kind of vague directives for where it was going to go. Um, my last two records were kind of more experimental within my own canon, if you like. Mm -hmm. Be More Climb is kind of, a, there's a lot of electronic and pop influence on it, and it's kind of a political record. And then I did a history podcast album, and you can imagine how stoked my label were when I said I wanted to do that. <laughs> um, uh, and then, you know, so I've been doing all this other stuff, and, and, um, and I was sort of, so first of all, I was sort of thinking maybe let's do something a bit more kind of like, in the middle of my road, should we say? Also, like I had a thing. We did a split with No Effects in, in yeah. 2020 that, yeah, that yeah. we were planning in 2019, and they're old friends, and and I love their music. But it was something about kind of like the association that came with the release of that, like the places it got reviewed and the places it was being discussed and stuff, uh, made me feel quite at home 
in a funny way. Do you know what I mean? It was like, oh, this is my people. Yeah. You know? And it's like, I've always had one foot in the punk world and one foot elsewhere. Uh, but it's, the, the elsewhere one moves around quite a lot and the punk one stays where it is. And it was like, maybe let's just put my legs together for a minute. That sounds awful. Now I said out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It was like, almost like coming home. In a lot of ways, yeah, right? exactly, exactly. So, and I had that idea, and like you know, I was gonna, I was thinking about writing some more autobiographical songs again, which I hadn't done for a while. So, and these ideas were ticking over, and then the two major things that happened. I mean, I mean, the first one obviously is the pandemic it was a huge thing. Um, it, it upended the original plans of the record, but it gave me way more time to work on the material. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was kind of learning how to be a producer more at that period of time meant that I was able to demo in a lot more depth. Cool. You know, and like really tear the songs apart. And I end up writing 28 songs for this record, Holy which is so shit. many more. I usually, I usually write like 15, you know what I mean? Mm. And then you've got like 12 and three B-sides. We're all good. Yeah. Um, and it was like, <laughs> I, I wrote 28 songs and a lot of them got rewritten a few times and like rearranged and all this kind of thing was going on. I also, you know, initially this was a sadness. I parted ways with my long-term drummer um, in 2020, which was sad. Um it is what it is. Um, but like, and I have a new guy in the band now who's fantastic. But for the album, so Rich Costi, who produced the record, who I was gonna, I was always planning on making the record with, he knows some drummers, that guy. Mm-hmm. Really? So like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and he put me in touch with this this young dude called Elan Rubin from a brand new band called Nine Inch Nails. Never heard and of him. And let me tell you, that guy's going to go places. <laughs> yeah. Keep your eye on him. Yeah, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Now that I've given him a leg up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, and the particularly as we both know, for for more kind of aggressive music, it's really important to have that kind of powerhouse behind the kit. Sure. And, um, you know, and I think it brought a level of kind of intensity and aggression to the sound that I was looking for anyway. Yeah, I was really, I'm really pleased with how that part came together as well. Well, you should be because it's it sounds amazing. And you know, uh, we've had the chance to work with Rich, and he's mixed a few songs mm. for us over the last couple of records. Never right. produced or anything, but like obviously sure. he's based in LA, right? Well, he's in Vermont these days. Actually. Oh, Vermont. Okay. Um, well, even he, still, yeah, he relocated in twenty twenty. So, with you being where you are and him being in Vermont, I guess how like like everything COVID affected like every aspect of our world. But how did sure. that happen? For like, how do you work with a producer? Remotely, uh, it was it was weird, and like it wouldn't have worked if Rich and I hadn't worked together before. Mm. Like we did a record together in, in 2012 called Take Back Heart, which went well. Yeah, that's a good um, record. Although it's actually it's interesting because like I that was the f- that was my fifth record, and it was the first time I'd like been produced mm-hmm. properly. Before that, I always made my, made my records with my friends, all of which I'm very proud of, and I love all those guys. But like working with Rich, I felt a bit like I'd been beaten up by the end of it. Yeah, um, and uh, and indeed. I think he went into that project not really being super aware of who I was or, or anything like that. And so we made a good record, but it was, I think, for both of us, quite a bruising experience. And it's taken a few years and a few records for us to both kind of circle back around to each other. And so even before the pandemic, it was like, I think we're ready to work with each other again. And we both came to it with a lot more respect for each other and what we do sure. kind of thing. So that helped. But yeah, we, it was weird. Me and the, the rest of my band were in a studio in Oxford, which was in Vermont. Elam was in LA. There was a lot of FaceTime going on. Wow. Uh, it was very strange. And, and, but, but ahead of time, I was pretty nervous about how it was going to go. But it ended up being awesome for a couple of reasons. One of which was because I've been doing all this in-depth demoing, we basically, the game, the aim of the game was beat the demo. So like... Um, Elan played drums along to the. I've been done program drums on the demos, and he played drums along to the demo guitars and vocals. And everything. Oh, cool! All right. And then we replaced the bass, and then we replaced the guitar, and then we replaced the vocals. And it was like, 
that was interesting and it kind of gave me more control in a funny way. Do yeah, you know what I mean? It's sure. like, it already goes like this, the tempo and everything is already set. So that was cool. And then uh, also it was just really focused. Like my band and I switched to Vermont time, which was really weird, but hey, um, uh, you know, we so were that's probably kind of waking five, up. five hours back from you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were waking up at like midday and then like working until three in the morning. Oof. But it was really focused because you and I both know that like when you get into a studio environment, on the one hand, there's the vibe mm-hmm. and that's great. But sometimes what the vibe means is a bunch of people, and it's usually guys, get excited about some weird old guitar that you just found in the cupboard and then waste, waste <laughs> you half know who, a day. You know who played this? Yeah. yeah, and you waste half a day getting a weird sound out of uh, 17 different amps and then try all the mic combinations and then you don't use it uh, and it's a total fucking waste of time. Yeah, And not even that. I mean, you know, you spend the first hour of each day showing each other funny cat videos you found on the internet yeah, um, yeah, exactly, uh, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. like, you couldn't really do any of that because we weren't in the same place. So it was actually actually bizarrely focused you yeah know? I was like gonna we say, arrived streamlined yeah. right and yeah. like we had this amazing engineer and we had this setup where we had we had this like matrix of amps and cabs and like a patch bay so it was like rich could say oh, i want to hear the m100 through the mesa boogie cab, oh no go, way <laughs> wow so you're like um, an amp and- cam yeah, totally. And then, and then like a Mike Forrest in front of yeah, the yeah. as well. So he could, I think it was quite a relaxing process for him in some ways. He was just like sat in front of his Yeah, his he's at home on the couch. The just like almost on a chaise long. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. like. <laughs> Make it so. Play me, yeah, play yeah. me the Marshall through, through the U67. And so we did. But it was cool, you know, it was it was really focused. And, and uh, we did it in like three sessions and uh, and it came together well. And I think, I, I think I'm pretty sure Rich did a lot of reamping at his end. Like he took DIs of everything. Um, and do you know, I mean, we're getting super techie here, but do you know about like Townsend Sphere mics? Nope. So they're, they're like mic modelers. So you sing into them, and then after the fact, they take like three XLR cables out of them. After the fact, you can then choose which mic you were singing into. Oh, so wow. So you can change it from like a 414 to a 67 to an 87 or whatever. Ian's um, ears as, just perked up. As Ian's yeah. the producer in the band for the has-been for yeah. the last probably 10 years. So Townsend yeah, Sphere, yeah. but it's crazy. So like I say, you can basically, you can sing, and then afterwards you go, hmm, I had that set to a 47, but actually I would prefer an SM7B or whatever. Wow. And it, the it, it's, modeled all of the, it's modeled all of the sonic responses of the mics and wow. stuff. They're not cheap. But no, I would cool. imagine they're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny you talk about the LA producer thing and and not having, you know, like having that bruised feeling, which I think that's a really good way to, sure. to describe it because... Our third record, we went to L.A. and we recorded with Brendan O'Brien. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and who's, you know, done some pretty amazing mm-hmm. things in his life. You were wearing a T-shirt of one of his bands. That's anymore. right, correct, which is, yeah. yeah, a huge, you know, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, so for me, I got to geek sure. out and talk about, you know, some fun stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I remember walking in, like, day one, uh, and I think it's kind of what you're talking about, like, not knowing necessarily the history of the band or, like, kind of the, the level, on what level we operate, you know what I mean? Sure. And so I remember walking in and feeling, like, really nervous and really uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of felt like they were going to, like, turn the lights on and be like, oh, fuck, maybe we're not that good, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, totally. Or but just, it's, just it's like a strange you- thing to get your head around, Right. Right. Well, it's also there's just different levels of what a producer does. And sometimes a producer is Steve Albini who just puts mics in front of you and you play. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a producer is telling you to change the tempo, the key and the structure and all the rest of it. And there's, yeah. a, there's a sliding scale between those two uh, ends of the spectrum. And, and for Rich, it's, uh, he didn't he wasn't he wasn't like co-writing songs or anything, but it was definitely just kind of like, cool, swap the verse and chorus around. And it was like, but 
but I wrote this. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it goes like this. Like, you know, and, and like ultimately, but this is what I mean about understanding it more now. I understand what he was doing and that he, sure. was, he was driving something interesting and like, he did make changes to a few songs that actually made them better, you know. But I just did it never happened to me before, and I just felt a little bit kind of violated at the end of it. You know? Yeah, well, no, um, and that's that's, but it's it's a valid point, and it's also something that you know, in you walk away like I walked away from that experience, learning so much about myself, about the band, about like, sure. you know what I mean, and and. Uh, although there was some turbulent times during the process, like the end result was great. And we, I think even for Ian being, you know, more of the producer, he learned so much from that experience that you apply that forward. So it's hard as we get stuck in our ways, you know, sometimes it's having people point out things to you. This is where you actually learn the most about yourself. It's funny that you mentioned that though, because one of my, one of my, Basically, at the start of lockdown, I was like, I need a fucking hobby or else I'm going to, like, eat myself alive or whatever. <laughs> you know, prior to March 2020, I, I would kind of muck around on Logic and knock a basic demo together. And But I had the the software and I was like, let's learn how to use this properly. And then, as you might imagine, and Ian knows exactly what I'm talking about, that suddenly spiraled into buying preamps and microphones and interfaces, <laughs> and soundproofing rooms and losing my mind completely and my wallet. Um, but... Um, but, uh, the, but because I wasn't ever really thinking that that would be a thing that I would do, there is a part of me that's absolutely kicking myself. I have sat in rooms with Rich Costi and Butch Walker and Alex Newport and all these great producers, and I have checked my Facebook while they were positioning microphones <laughs> and setting up preamps and, like, you know, doing exciting, interesting recording techniques that I really could have learned from. I wasn't paying any attention at all. I'm now just like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I could have paid more attention to that. Well, you know, you have. there's more time, Frank. There is more time. There's this more is true. time. This is true. I will, Ian, I, if you'll let me, I'll come and I'll, I'll come and engineer for you. I'll intern for you. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, there we go. I'm sort of not kidding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you guys do a, a separate interview then. You guys, you, okay, you, you have go. to send it. Send, a job interview. Yeah, send your CV over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, uh, talking about the record, because I want to dig mm. into it a little deeper. Um, there's an honesty and an openness that ring true throughout the entire record. Do you ever worry as a songwriter that sometimes you, you're oversharing or you're feeling maybe overexposed? You know, there's, there, there's a great line from Eddie Vedder uh, that he said, some words when spoken can't be taken back. And that line always it resonated with me for, for, for years. Does sure, that ever come sure. into play when you're working? Because like, on this record, which we'll, we'll talk about some of the themes, but man, it is yeah. beautifully open and pure right but then so like i have to my taste in music as a listener right like my favorite thing when you're listening to a song is when somebody says something unretractable Mm -hmm. you know and like and you just go and you look at your speaker and you go whoa like dude or whatever you know um there's a scottish indie band called arab strap i don't know if you are familiar with those guys i'm not familiar no they're, they're incredible. They have a record called Philophobia that came out in the late 90s, which will change your life. Okay, cool. And, Thank and you. like, there's basically one guy who does all the music and another guy, he, he was a spoken word poet before he joined the band kind of thing. And it's terribly depressing and morose and, and it's about sort of alcoholism in the Scottish suburbs and this kind of thing and sad, sad relationships. But um, 
he's one of my favorite lyricists because all the way through all of his material he just says stuff that's like somebody just maintaining eye contact with you while they stab themselves with a scalpel <laughs> it's 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 kind of intimidating like there's there's a song there's the first song of philophobia that finishes the lines goes um I got drunk and told you I, th I was thinking about taking a test and he laughed and said I'd fuck anything in a skirt once I'm a wreck. And it's just like, ow, ow, yeah. ow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. God damn. And, and, like and there's a kind of brutality to it. There's not much metaphor going on and that's been a big influence on me. Anyway, my point is that like I enjoy that in music because it feels visceral and it feels real and it feels like it's worth the effort, you know? Like both, both as a listener but more importantly as a musician, like... There was a huge thing in, in the UK in the 90s, the Britpop thing, that was so predicated on irony. And even at the time, I mean, it happened that when Britpop happened was almost exactly the time I discovered Black Flag, which didn't help. Mm. But um, <laughs> I just, there were all these people spending their lives making records and touring them to say things that they didn't really mean. And it was like, well, what's the fucking point in that? Like, like if you don't mean it, then why do, why should I listen to it? You know what I mean? That was sort of my vibe as a kid. So I guess my point is, as a list, and, I, and I'm aware that not everybody thinks this, and not everybody has to think this, and some people love that kind of ironic detachment thing, and that's totally fine. But for me, I like it when a song says something, um, yeah, unretractable. So when I write, that's long been a thing that I try and do. And it, it's a form of public catharsis on a lot of sure, levels as well. Yeah. You know, it's like I mean, I guess one way of putting it is that I find my own failings quite a rich seam of material. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because there's loads of them. You know, so I don't know. It's it's it feels more powerful than me writing songs about cars <laughs> or whatever. Well, mind not you, like, you're in like, one now. I am yeah. in a car now. Maybe maybe this is the beginning of the next phase of my career. Well, you know, but there's um, a, there's a couple songs on the record that really. So when you talk about that, that that moment where you're looking at the speakers, going, "Holy fuck!" Like I had that with this record, um, which is why, like, I was driving and I was like, "I gotta, I'm gonna reach out to Frank and see if he wants to be a guest because I had that moment." And there's songs like "Fatherless" and "Miranda" and obviously "A, a Wave Across the Bay," which we'll, we'll talk about. But like, they're all very different themes obviously but there's like I said there's a conviction and a truth that runs through them all that really resonate with me so are you being burglar is there a burglar I, no no, no I'm, I'm having pizza delivered to me by my uh, amazing wife oh, hi <laughs> this interview gets weirder as time goes by yeah, I love it um, what happens yeah, yeah. next well, um, I know. I'm going to get like a parking fine. <laughs> You'll get towed. <laughs> gonna, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, darling. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, babe. Um, sorry. Wait, wait. You were so, sorry. Yeah, no. 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 That's okay. But you know, there's there's one song in particular that. Uh, well, I love the song. I love the arrangement. I love the guitar playing. I love the. You know, is Miranda. Like sure. what a dude. That is what a beautiful, beautiful song. Do you want to tell people about? Yeah, that yeah, sure. the whole story. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I had a terrible relationship with my dad growing up that sort of oscillated between like icy conflict and and non-existence. You know what I mean? Um, and indeed, I didn't really talk to my dad for nearly a decade in my kind of mid 20s to mid 30s. You know, there was an awful lot going on and, and my dad made a pretty massive hash of his life in many ways, but the, the, we weren't in a good place with each other. And then um, my dad came out as transgender about five years ago. And, you know, it's like, I mean, for the record, like I was already working with, with a bunch of LGBTQ charities prior to that happening. So, you know, I was on board with the sort of the concept. But it's a funny thing because it was a, there was a transfer from theory to practice going on. Do you know what yeah. I mean? very well being sort of theoretically in favor of this and all the rest. But like... I did, you know, I mean, Laura Jane Grace is a friend of mine, and and I'd, I'd witnessed that 
transition and been heartened by it because a friend of mine became more themselves and I thought that was really cool. Well said. It's quite different when it's, or it can be quite different when it's your parent, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I had no inkling that this was coming. I mean, in fairness, we didn't talk to each other about anything, so mm-hmm. it's not like I would be the person who would know. But um, it was a surprise. But right at the beginning, I was like, well, you know, if this is serious, then let's run with it and, and see what happens. And it ended up being kind of the thing that broke the vicious cycle. In a way, that's probably quite obvious if you actually stop and think about it. But like, you know, it was just like, oh, okay, we can, now we talk to each other, we have a relationship. And there's still, there's still pain to be unpacked and there's still arguments to be had. We're a parent and a child. We're always going to argue about of something. Of course, yeah. But like, ultimately, we we are now in touch with each other again. We, we have a working relationship with each other. And that's, um, that's really new. I mean, that's arguably for the first time in my life. I mean, the other day, my, my, my dad, I still say dad, by the way, and that's completely fine with Miranda. My dad came to stay with me and I made her up a bed and I cooked her a meal and I realized that's the first time I'd ever done either of those things. In my oh, life. wow, that's... And um, so I, I, I thought I'd write a song about it. I mean, it's, it was funny. It was like, it's, it's quite often, I'm sure you had this as well with writing a song. It's kind of like, the hard bit is just is building up to the starting to write it and then once you start it's like bleh <laughs> you know it's just it's all there um but it's like am i gonna do this am i actually gonna fucking do this and then it you know i had some good encouragement from some of the guys in my band as well and and from my wife um uh you know that it would be an interesting thing to write about and um and so i did and 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 then it just came out and like you know the other thing with the song is that like i tried i mean there are two things. I mean, first of all, I'm aware that like sometimes the public debate about trans gets very heated, and but and more importantly, I was at pains not to try and speak on anybody else's behalf. The song is not about Miranda's experiences because I'm not qualified to speak to that. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it's very and again, it's a very, very unmetaphorical song. It just says, "Hey, this is what happened to me," you know, and this is where it ended up. And and it's it has a I don't want to say ending, but I was going to say happy ending, but it's got a sort of happy present. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, say? no, it absolutely does. And I think it's going to, you know, and that's one thing that I love about the record throughout is that there seems to be this continuity of hope. There's this underlying thing that where you walk away, you don't feel worse <laughs> when the record's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? You feel can better. I, can, I, can, can I put that on a sticker on the front cover of the CD? <laughs> you will not feel worse if you listen to this. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes when you listen to a record or some songs, you walk away and it, it, it moves you in a way that you're like, wow. And you, you find it hard to place that energy. But with this record, sure, sure. you feel hopeful and you feel inspired. And I think well, a song you. like Miranda will be that song and, and offer that type of hope to so many different people. And much like you said, yeah. because of the, the way it's written, you're not saying it's this or that. You're just telling your experience. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, I've, you know, as, it, as we both know, it's, it's, it becomes fake very quickly if you sit down to write a song that will affect people in the yeah. following way. Ooh, yeah. you, you sort of have <laughs> to do it by mistake. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like a magic eye. You have to see it by not looking straight at it. But, I mean, I've had some pretty moving correspondence from people in the aftermath of the song uh, being released. Oh, I could imagine. Uh, and so yeah. some of that's been from people with trans family members or indeed trans people who have had issues with their families. Sure. But actually my, my favorite response to it has just been from, like, a dear friend of mine whose parents I know quite well. So I said to me, my parents have been pretty, like, iffy about the whole issue of transgender identity anyway and like slightly transphobic should we say and like the song had made them change their mind about that because they respect me as a person and and or at least kind of 
given them an opportunity to reevaluate. Let's say that. And, and, Amazing. Um, and that was really cool. Do yeah. You know what I mean? that's well, that's like me, that gives me goof, that yeah. gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Because that's yeah. really what you're trying to do is at for people to at least see the reflection in it, you know, like have something yeah. where they can walk away and be like, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Or right. I relate to that. I can understand that, you know? Sure, so sure. yeah. Amazing. And speaking to that, losing friends, just hurts in a whole different way. Sure. And I just, first of all, I want to say sorry for your loss because we're going to talk about a wave oh, across the you. bay. But for those who don't know Scott or the, uh, any of the backstory, do you want to maybe explain how that song kind of came to be? Because that song is sure. one of those songs that, again, that stopped me in my tracks. That was, that was, thank you. That is so beautiful. And I just lost a friend recently. So that, that, I'm sorry I, to hear it. Well, thank you. But yeah, so I kind of maybe I was very emotional at the time. Sure, <laughs> uh, but sure. yeah, so do you want to, do you feel comfortable talking about that song? Yeah, of course, absolutely. I mean, I, I always feel comfortable talking about Scott. He was a dude. I want to talk about him more. <laughs> you know, like um, Scott was a singer in Frightened Rabbit. I mean, were you a fan of their music or familiar with their? Uh, I was familiar. I have friends of mine uh, who were good. Like my like uh, I'm friends with Broken Social Scene. I know they played a whole bunch uh -huh. of shows with them. And we actually sure. have a, a guy Lowell Campbell who's playing drums for us now. He plays in a band called Winter Sleep, and they toured. Uh, supposedly all sure. the time with Frightened Rabbit, all the like, so yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they, they, they yeah. were really close as well. So I don't yeah. directly have any connection to them, but indirectly I, I knew of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, my first exposure was just hearing the records and being blown away, and I was very much a fan at first. But the other thing about it was, so we became friends. We were on this, we had this one summer where we were on the same radio show circuit together at the same time in mm. the States. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Like, my favorite. Hey, we're in some, <laughs> yeah, we're in St. Petersburg. We've yeah. got 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we were doing that kind of at the same time. And like, I, I sort of bullied Scott into being my friend because he had no idea. He had no idea who I was. Yeah. And I was a huge fan of theirs. And I kept showing up in their dressing room and just going, hey guys. Hi. Hey guys. And they were like, it's the English guy again. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, we became friends. But I mean, part of the connection that we had was, uh, oh, we have Thomas joining us. He works for my management. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Sorry. Uh, the connection that we had was in large part based on the fact that we did exactly the same thing for a living. And that's actually not many people of whom that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The guys in my band who I love, but they don't sit exactly where I sit. Do you know what I mean? And their experience of everything is not quite the same as mine. Mm -hmm. And Scott and I, I mean, Frightened Rabbit was a band, but it was his band. He wrote the songs and all the rest of it. So we had all of this stuff in common. We both went from um, working with an indie team at the major exact same time. We were kind of on a similar trajectory, playing similar venues. And and it almost made a virtue of the fact we didn't have any mutual friends, really. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know his band, he didn't know my band. Um, we didn't know each other's girlfriends or managers or any of that kind of business. And it meant that the gloves were off. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we'd see each other when we could, which, as you know, as a touring musician, is not all the time. But we'd have these late-night kind of phone conferences where we'd like be like, so... What's your label making you do this week that makes yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, shoot yeah. yourself in the face or whatever? <laughs> or like, you know, um, how does one fire a band member or, you know, or, uh, or whatever? I mean, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I got you joking. But like, yeah. you know, we would we would have these conversations and it was really uh, useful to me almost as the word that sounds mechanical. But it was we had a very close friendship as a result of that. You know what I mean? And one of my favorite memories of Scott actually is that I was in L.A. I'd just done a show. I was at a tattoo parlor. Uh, getting drunk with some friends and um, somebody just said oh Scott lives in LA these days and I was like what the fuck I had no idea he'd moved mm. there and I texted him and he he was like send me your address and I did and he arrived in a cab like 
18 minutes later, oh, like amazing. burning rubber. Yeah. And then we had an awesome evening just kind of getting hammered together. Mm. And, uh, you know, and it was just like, as, as I say, touring people, you don't get that much time. Anyway, uh, Scott took his own life in 2018, and that was a heartbreaking event. I mean, it was a shock in the sense that at the exact moment it happened, but at the same time, Scott was very vocal about his mental health and his issues there and suicidal ideation and that kind of thing. And so it was tragic and awful, but it was also not 100% unexpected, should we say. Mm. I mean, I, I, I want to be careful in what I say about that, but, um, you know, I was heartbroken by it. Um, and a couple of months after he died, I had a, a lucid dream that Scott came into my room and played me some chords and, and sung me some words. And I woke up and wrote them down. And the following day, I had two thirds of a song. And wow. the last part of the song is just the introduction to the song. The last part of the wrote was the introduction to the song, which explains how the song came to be and points out that that's crazy because both Scott and I are pretty kind of rationalist, skeptical, atheist type people. So there is a part of me that feels a bit weird saying that bit yeah. out loud, you know, but it's that's what happened. I mean, ultimately, we're talking about an extreme form of grieving there but it was uh yeah it was um it was a weird experience and and i finished the song and it's a heavy song and it's quite a visceral image and all the rest and i sent a copy to grant who's scott's brother who's the drummer in frightened rabbit and um he uh um he was beautiful about it he said i think my brother would want you to release this i'm not sure i can listen to it all the way through but like we dealt in heavy music emotionally as well and i think that it's the right thing to do and we've done a seven inches of benefit for their family charity and all this kind of thing so oh. there's, a, there's a working connection there but yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm proud of the song it, it i there's a part of me that wonders whether i'm allowed to be because it just arrived do you know what i mean yeah. i feel like i didn't do that much work on that song it just kind of came to me well, it's a it's a beautiful tribute and it's a beautiful song and you did a great job and uh, those types of you know like I said losing a friend hurts in different ways so I think anybody who has gone through that or will go through that unfortunately that song will really resonate with them so again it, it, there's there's an element of hope throughout the whole record so and listen I'm not going to take any more of your time because your piece is getting cold <laughs> you got, you got a show to play but I, I guess uh, let's just end on this like what's next on the horizon obviously we're all kind of, you know, dipping our feet and getting back into doing shows sure, sure. and things like that. So is, is that... Uh, is right. That well, so, I mean, you, you and I, I hope you know what I mean by this. I feel like we're we're obliged to be professional optimists right now. We have you know to what I mean? be. It's like, it's, I mean, we've just announced, actually today, we've just announced my next US tour. I'm playing all 50 states in 50 days. No, you're um, not. Yes, I am. Frank. And it's going to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that even possible? Yeah, it is. I've, it's an idea I had a long time ago. But I've been working on the details. Wow. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's that's happening. But I, I guess more broadly, the point is, like, as much as this record was constructed in a slightly artificial way, it's it's designed, its intention is to be played live. I want to play these yeah, songs in sure. room with bodies flying. Absolutely. You know, and people singing and so on and so forth. So I'm going to do that whenever that's possible and like it's funny like I quite often well usually I'm on tour at this point and that means we're playing the songs a lot and I'm usually actually starting to think about the next record at this point yeah. and I'm not doing that right now because I haven't played any songs so <laughs> I'm going to play a couple of them yeah, in yeah. about in about 45 minutes alright but, uh, <laughs> but yeah it's um, it's very much like uh, that's my intention is to get everywhere and are you guys in Toronto or yeah we're still you... here yeah we're gearing up yeah, to go yeah. off across uh, we're going out on tour with Rise Against in I guess a month so fingers crossed awesome yeah, yeah first shows those guys in a, three years so yeah give those guys a squidge from me I will I little, will give them a little a, a sneaky little back rub uh, <laughs> will do 
when they're least expecting it. Um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, you know, we'll be everywhere when we can be. I guess. Good this answer. Is the point right now. Good answer. Well, listen. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for being a great dude, and congratulations hey, on all you, your man. success. Congratulations on the new record. All the best to you and whatever you're doing moving forward. Be hey, safe well, and take care of yourself. That's, that's very kind. Let me let me also just throw in just right before the end that how much of a fan. And, and a, and a respecter of you guys that I am and everything oh, you guys do, I think. thanks, Frank. That no, really, it's like, Thank I you. mean, it is, it is a thing. There's not that many bands that have long and interesting careers. You know what I mean? And, like, uh, I'm reaching a point where it's like, ooh, who, whose example am I following now? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you know, because... And it, so I'm a huge fan, and it's it's a huge honor to be on uh, Well, thanks, Frank. I appreciate it. That means a lot to us, honestly. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy your pizza. Enjoy your show. I will. And hopefully our paths will cross. I can't wait. And Ian, I'll see you for the job interview in, in uh, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. All right. You got the job. Awesome, guys. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> see you, Thank Frank. you, guys. See you later. Take care, mate. Take Ciao. care. Bye. Rock Antenna, the rock star radio show. Louder than the DJ. Here's your host, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. Well, that's a wrap. As I mentioned off the top of the show, this will be the last Louder Than the DJ as Billy Talon is gearing up to head back out on the road. I just want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in over the last six months and taking time out of your lives to listen. I hope you've had as much fun as I have. This has been a dream come true for me, and I just want to say again a massive thank you to everyone at Rock Antenna for giving me the opportunity. Everyone here has been so amazing and kind to me, from Guy to Thomas to Julia to Vrani and Christian. Thank you. I literally couldn't have done it without you. Also, a huge shout-out to Claudia from Beastie Butterfly, to my friend Oli Kirchhoff for his advice and counsel, and to my manager Jordan Berlian and Thomas from Revelation Management, and to my producer Kenny Luong and Ian DeSaw for stepping in and helping produce some segments and also doing the artwork for the show. It takes a village to raise a child, they say, and this was one of those instances where I couldn't have done it without all of those people. But most importantly, I want to say thank you for listening. These are some crazy times, and music and radio have always helped me and have been there for me in good times and bad. And I know we all have better days ahead of us. We need more love and less hate and more compassion and more understanding, and we'll get through this, gang. I promise. I'm going to end the show with a song from our old pals in Rancid because we all need somebody to be there to pick each other up when we all fall down. So take care out there, and I'll see you down the road. Louder Than the DJ with Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. On air, online, on fire. Only on Rock Antenna.